Hello and welcome to So It's a Show, a podcast where we attempt to keep up with Lorelai and Rory's pop culture references on Gilmore Girls. Yow! I'm Kyla. And Gowza! I'm Taylor. <laughs> One day, I swear we're going straight past this intro and into the episode. Not today. Straight to the moon of the episode, I tell you what. <laughs> uh, how was my impression? It was quite, what's the word? Onomatopoeic. You had said many words that sound just like they're spelled. So there you go. Way to use all those onomatopoeias. Thanks. So, hello everyone. We are now at Gilmore Girls episode 211, which means we are halfway through season 2. Woo! Officially. And to celebrate, guess what I'm eating? What? Uh, let's see. A coffee cake. Close. <gasps> no, mm. you're eating a, a, uh, what's it called? Oh, what's it called? Uh, croissant. No. Uh, Close. Tien crumpet. <laughs> but not Closer. a crumpet. Tien. What's it called? It rhymes with a phone. Scone! Yeah! I am eating a scone because a little pre- or a little behind the scenes, today was the royal wedding and we both got up early to watch it. We did. And we just thought you'd like to know, since we did a royal wedding episode earlier this season, we just wanted to continue the fun. Which, Congrats, Harry and Megan. Megan. Yeah, wouldn't you say that Megan is like the new Grace Kelly? I would definitely say she is a new... She's the modern woman version of Grace Kelly. The American marrying the European prince. But she's also got yeah, an except... activist flair to her. Mm-hmm. And she was an actress, just like Grace Kelly. Exactly. Marrying to the British royal family, I'm going to say a little better than the uh, that little country she was at. Monaco? Monaco. Although not quite as high-pressure celebrity stakes as the British royal family. Mm, that's true. A little more privacy in Monaco, I would think. Yeah. So congrats, Harry and Meghan! Yeah. What was a favorite moment from the wedding? For me, of course, I love all of the classic moments, like their first kiss out on the steps or... When they say their vows together, I even came around on Charles finishing her walk down the aisle, but I think my favorite (laughs) was actually the American Episcopalian Reverend. He was awesome. He came in and gave this great sermon, and it was after this really, sorry, boring English guy had (laughs) walked through through their vows and then this guy came up here and he was just this huge spark of energy and had a great message and Megan was smiling the whole time and her Mm -hmm. mom was oh her mom was my other favorite part she looked so proud how about you yeah I really did love the preacher he brought it and Mm -hmm. uh another though a favorite moment from the broadcast though overall is after the wedding mm-hmm. and they were taking their procession you know in the carriage down the the way the two and a half mile route to confession i did fast forward through that a little since we had started late 
Oh, not the well. whole thing. We watched for about ten minutes, and then we were like, "We get it." <laughs> well, they um, the anchors were stationed every you know little bit along the walkway so that the camera would you know switch to them, switch to the next mm-hmm. person, next person, and they would each give their own little facts, but. When the carriage, when they're like, okay, look, they're there. The anchors would, every single one of them, like, turned, and they were just completely in the moment, and they were, they, all of them yelled, congrats, Harry and Megan, oh, hi, congrats, (laughs) and, like, all the other anchors just would start laughing because they just couldn't help themselves. They were so happy and excited, and I love that because why not get happy and excited over a fair, I mean, like, a royalty wedding it's fun i know i can dig it for sure it's just a fun event that brings people together to celebrate and i think it's also cool especially now we americans have more of an emotional stake into it because Meghan markle is american or i'm sorry the duchess of sussex is american yeah Yeah. whereas while it was really cool that kate middleton was not someone of aristocracy that also i think gave some people more of a connection because we don't have aristocracy in the united states so we kind of don't get those procedures so there was something to connect to there but i think it's really cool that Meghan markle is american she's got this she represents a different look too because she's biracial and Mm -hmm. she's just a very modern woman very activist very minimalist style yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah. She's very cool. Very cool. So maybe in that episode, if Megan and Harry, if this were happening now, they would have thrown them in the mix. I so would think so. <laughs> and I don't think Lorelai would wear a dress like Meghan Markle. It is too subtle for her. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. The dress she chose on Gilmore Girls, the dresses were very appropriate for her. Yeah. Her style. Maybe Rory, but not Lorelai. Yeah, no. But they also don't have, you know, British royalty uh, restrictions on their uh, on their wedding dress, so. No. So, speaking of uh, royal, our uh, royal wedding episode, I found another reference to Elizabeth Taylor in Gilmore Girls that we didn't talk about, and I thought it was a pretty good one. What? What? So it's season three, episode seven. They shoot Gilmore's, don't they? <gasps> one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, it's a good one. And <laughs> Lorelai is so excited to have found a new dance partner, but then, oh wait, in that same Friday night dinner that she tells everyone she found a dance partner for the dance marathon, she also loses that partner. So after she gets off the phone with him, they have the Gilmore's have this conversation. Great. What happened? Stanley bailed. No. Why? Apparently Miss Patty showed his wife a picture of me, and she thinks I look like Elizabeth Taylor, which makes her Debbie Reynolds and Stanley Eddie Fisher. That's crazy. Especially if you've seen Stanley. He is no Eddie Fisher, trust me. Fisher Stevens, maybe. Can't you talk to her? Apparently only at my own risk. Well, at least she thought you looked like Elizabeth Taylor. That was nice. I have no partner. You'll find another one. Elizabeth Taylor always did. There's someone else out there. Trust me. I guess. So I just thought it was such a perfect joke about Elizabeth Taylor and all of her marriages because they tie in all the key players and 
Yeah. Yes, we totally talked about Eddie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds, and it's another comparison between Lorelai and Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. Anyways, so there's a, a f- another good reference I thought that I found in there. So should we uh, get into this episode with our kickoff segment? Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> that was better. <laughs> yeah. The best, you know. The worst. <laughs> so in this episode, secrets and loans. Lorelai's uh, house needs a little bit of help thanks to awful termites. So, we're talking the best and the worst renovations on Gilmore Girls. Does does that sound uninteresting to you? Well, we thought maybe so maybe too, but just you wait. It's interesting. Just you wait. Just you wait. Just you wait, Henry Higgins. Just you wait. <laughs> wow, we just combined two different musicals. That was amazing. Yeah, we did. <laughs> High fives. High fives. So, Taylor, T. Rizzle, what was the worst renovation on Gilmore Girls? Ready, set, go. I think the worst renovation, because as we talked about it, we discovered there were actually quite a few makeovers, Mm -hmm. redecorations that happened throughout the series. We were like, how many are there? The more we talked about it, the more we could think of. I would say my least favorite is probably when Emily and Richard realize that Rory and Logan are sleeping together, so they decide (laughs) to renovate the pool house to kick Rory out, which is a very passive-aggressive and unhealthy way to discuss your concern for your granddaughter. So, because the whole purpose of it was really unnecessary and not based on good communication, I am Mm -hmm. not a fan. Yeah, that was a little awkward. For sure. Don't bring the reverend over to do your dirty work, a.k.a. have (laughs) awkward conversations with your granddaughter. Uh, Have that conversation yourself. Or just don't. Because she's an adult, and even if you don't like it, she can make that decision for herself. And you kicking out of the pool house will not change that. (laughs) And maybe if they were just Uh, going to present the concern in a loving way of, hey, Rory, we're not sure this is the best idea, that would be one thing. But Emily and Richard don't do that. that's not their way. (laughs) Not at all. No. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, that was a pretty bad one. I am going to go with when the Dragonfly Inn catches on fire because it's just so stressful, like with the money and can they get the same stove again for Suki? And I, I just don't like any time they're stressing about, about their, the inn and the finances and just felt bad. It's their new inn. Yeah. And isn't that in season six or seven? Because I think I remember someone saying they didn't like that plot line because they had kind of already done it with the independence in. Yeah. Yeah, they had. Mm-hmm. With a little rehash. So, not my fave. No, I don't blame you. What is your fave? Ooh. You know... I think that this particular project is one that just anyone can agree with. 
TJ shelves. I mean, <laughs> have you seen those shelves? So sturdy, so beautiful. What a great the, contractor. Yeah, I mean, you, you could sit on them. They're that magnificent. <laughs> Definitely by far the best. The shelves that TJ put up in Luke's diner. Way to go. <laughs> what about you? Related to Luke Steiner, when they redo the apartment, and I will always love a scene where Luke shocks Jess <laughs> with anything, but especially with a sledgehammer. I think that ranks up close to when he pushes him in the lake, yep. other things that he surprises him with, because they are just not going to make it work in that apartment, and they need some new space. Yep. Uh, I love that moment, too. He just knocks a hole in the wall and says, that's your room. Here, finish up. <laughs> and then the episode ends. <laughs> yep. Man, they have, you know, one of my favorite, probably my favorite moment from A Year in the Life was when you see Lorelai just inside the newspaper office, just goes outside and then takes Luke's hat. Oh, just yeah. classic. I loved that. I agree. They have such good chemistry together as that they uncle. They do. Almost a father-son figure since mm-hmm. Jess doesn't have that father figure in his life. Yeah. And I like that all these moments too with the renovations, they always connect with some sort of transition in somebody's life. I feel like they're all a good mirror mm. for that. Even the terrible Emily passive aggressive redecoration to me is a mm-hmm. symbol of Rory realizing, oh, living with my grandparents isn't working. <laughs> Maybe I should move yeah. back in with my mom. Yeah, that's true. And we're or and Luke and Jess and the apartment making that bigger, that was when they kind of start to talk a little bit better, although they never really hit a good rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good visual representation of character development. Yay! That's your room. Finish up. We'll hold hands and skip afterwards. Well, should we talk about this specific episode with a renovation that needs to happen? I think so. Okay. This episode is Gilmore Girls 211. The title is Secrets and Loans, and the IMDb plot summary is... Lorelai's concern over the fact that she can't afford to repair her home's extensive termite damage turns to anger when Rory tells Emily about their problem and Emily again offers Lorelai a loan. Dun-dun-dun. More financial troubles. More financial conflict. Yep. One of the few fights, big fights between Lorelai and Rory. Rory was just so wrong to tell her (laughs) her you know, uh, Emily about that, about their situation when Lorelai like clearly said no, but I love what she said at the end of we of like, have you ever like gone without food or books or book covers for that matter? No, because I'll figure it out. So just give me a minute. And I think it's on Rory's end. It's a more forgivable sin against her mother on that part if that's not too strong of a word because it's coming out of a place Mm -hmm. of 
concern and she sees this fractured relationship between Emily and Lorelai. So her perspective might be, well, how will I ever know when we really do need help from other people because my mom's never going to ask. So I can see from her perspective, but I agree with you. Wrong call. Don't create the conflict. Yeah. Yeah. But man, um, I loved the scene at the beginning of this and uh, hopefully we can do a so it's a song maybe at the end or right now. Oh, do it. I did not do any prep for this. So it's a song. Yeah. So a little uh, so it's a song because uh, this particular song was in the cold open of the episode. Uh, This scene is all silent. And you see Lorelai waking up in the morning, getting out of bed, feeling good, coming downstairs. She and Rory have this really smooth rhythm of handing each other coffee and Pop-Tarts and everything's just so nice and wonderful and then Lorelai is gonna go out she goes outside probably to get the mail and through the porch (laughs) step her foot goes (laughs) and the music cuts with her foot going through the porch Mm -hmm. but the song that is playing during this whole scene is Doris Day's Que Sera Sera which means whatever will be will be When I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. And I just love how happy, wonderful, and every, like, quesera, whatever will be, will be. It's all going to be okay. And then, you know, that first just kind of relating to their nice day but then they do get hit with (laughs) reality as that is how they find out that termites have been eating their house rory also i think it's kind of a funny meta commentary on the show a little bit because we're Mm -hmm. seeing them do what are just the most cliche gilmore girls things oh, we're watching them drink coffee, we're watching them eat Pop-Tarts, Rory's getting ready for school, it's just another day in the life of the Gilmores, or a year (laughs) in the life, a day in the life of the Gilmores. And Mm then, kerplunk, that whole rhythm is thrown off. So it's kind of funny of where you think you know what's going to happen, and then it's like, well, actually, whatever will happen will happen, but it's not Mm going to be what you think it is. Yep. And I, I like the, I mean, the song itself is, the sound of it is so carefree, mm-hmm. but then when put with an unfortunate event, it makes you just look at it differently because, oh, do I really have to say whatever will be, will be, it's going to be fine when I suddenly need to cough up, was it $20,000 to fix my house? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the mother-daughter relationship in that song, too. So she starts by saying, when I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Which feels appropriate here. Here's what (laughs) she said to me. Que sera, sera. And then she ends the song. Now I have children of my own. They ask their mother, what will I be? Will I be handsome? Will I be rich? I tell them tenderly, que sera, sera. So she's kind of, Mm. it's that generational of Emily to Lorelai and Lorelai to Rory. Mm-hmm. 
But in this episode, Rory did not listen to her mom of whatever will be will be. <laughs> hmm Tried to take yeah. her own steps. And similarly, Lorelai doesn't want to take Emily's advice either or her help. So mm-hmm. they, she, she tries to direct Emily about how to behave in this banker's meeting, this loan meeting, and mm-hmm. then... It, it would have probably gone better if she had taken Emily's advice. But she doesn't. She wants to do it her own way. And mm-hmm. everything works out in the end, but not the way Lorelai wants it to. Yeah, definitely a breakdown of mother-daughter relationships in this episode. Hmm, maybe that's a big theme for this series. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that one. <laughs> Are you mocking me for pointing out the obvious? No, I wasn't mocking you. I was oh, just okay. thinking, oh, maybe this is a good encapsulation of thematic issues. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. I think you're All a smart right. cookie. Thanks. All <laughs> right. So that's So It's a Song. So it's Which a is show. a good for segue that. into our So It's a Show question this week. <laughs> our So It's a Show pop culture reference. Right before they go into the bank, Lorelai is trying to tell Emily how to behave in this meeting, and they have this conversation. But I couldn't possibly just you'll say hello. You'll ask how his wife is, and that's it. After that, you will say nothing, you will do nothing, you will sit in the corner and offer no opinions and pull a full-on Clarence Thomas. Am I making myself perfectly clear? Lorelai, it's the only way I'm doing this, Mom. All right, I'll be quiet. I will, I promise. I swear one of these days, Alice, pow, right to the moon. What on earth are you talking about? Who's Alice? But isn't Emily speaking for all of us? At least, well, at least some of us, because mm-hmm. I don't know who Alice is either. I feel for Emily in this moment. So you didn't know what she was talking about? No, I did not at all. Nice. I had heard the quote before, definitely. I swear, one day, straight to the moon. I'd heard that before. And I think I might have even known that it was the show was called The Honeymooners. But I did not have the correct uh, show in mind oh. when I thought of The Honeymooners. Once again, wasn't what was the other movie or TV show that I thought had completely different actors in it? Oh, I don't remember. I remember having this conversation and now I don't remember the exact examples. Uh, it's not the time that you said Oprah was married to Reuben Studdard, is it? Uh, no. That was in our royal wedding episode. There was something you said, though. You were like, isn't that the movie with such and such person? Oh, Faye Dunaway you did that with. Yeah, but and that Thomas was... Thomas Crown. Yeah, that one was a You got mixed one. up on who that was. Huh. Yeah, maybe it was, like, something else that a person starred in, and it wasn't the exact reference, because none of these are sounding right. I know. I can't think of it either. Okay. Well, that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Little tangent. So, anyways, I... Oh, yeah, but I think I was picturing a different show. I think I was actually picturing Roseanne. Oh. Very different era. 
Which, yeah, but if you think about it, it has some similar looks of, like, bigger dude playing the husband, sitting at the kitchen table a lot. And so, I don't, I don't know, I didn't, I had never watched The Honeymooners until now for this episode, but, yeah, I think I was picturing Roseanne. Got when it. I thought of it in the past. So I think in hearing about The Honeymooners, I have conflated that with Mad About You, another show I am not familiar with because I just knew it was about mm-hmm. a couple and very different era, completely different actors for yep. some reason. I think the concept of a married couple just got combined in my head. So I feel you. Yeah. There are, there are a few sitcoms about uh, married couples, aren't there? You know, uh, I think there are. We'll have to keep Maybe. an eye out for that. Yeah. <laughs> that will be your phrase of the episode. Yeah. Uh-huh. We'll have to keep an eye out for that phrase. Uh-huh. So, uh, this TV show, though, the correct one, The Honeymoons, mm-hmm. 1950- Honeymooners. Did you just say the honeymoons? It is uh, called the that. honeymooners. The honeymooners is a classic American sitcom that was on the air from 1955 to 1956. Only 39 episodes. Asterisk. Mm-hmm. We'll get back to that. <laughs> and they. It is about a married couple. Ralph and Alice. Ralph is a New York bus driver who's always looking to find ways to get rich quick or have a better life. With his best friend, Ed Norton, not the Ed Norton that you might know from movies like The Hulk or whatever else he has (laughs) been in that is completely escaping me. Just go to his IMDb page. (laughs) Just go to his IMDb page. So Ralph and Ed, along with their wives, Alice and Trixie, are finding ways to get along in Brooklyn in the 1950s. And their wives are generally exasperated with their husbands' get-rich-quick schemes. And Mm -hmm. the men are generally exasperated with their low-income situation. And (laughs) hijinks and comedy ensue. Much love, much fighting. I feel like we've probably heard about that in a sitcom before. Yeah. We'll have to keep our eye on that. We will. (laughs) (laughs) And even though it was only 39 episodes... The guy who played Ed Norton, named his real name is Art Carney. He won an Emmy for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. And Jackie Gleason and Audrey Meadows, who played Ralph and Alice, were nominated for Emmys, too. Go them. I watched episodes 102, Funny Money, in which Ralph finds a briefcase full of counterfeit money that he goes on a spending spree with. Oh, and you watched that, too? You're pointing at yourself? Yes, I did. <laughs> And I also watched episode 110, Hello, Mom, in which they receive news that Alice's mom, a.k.a. Ralph's mother-in-law, is going to come for a visit, and they bicker about it because he doesn't want her to come. Classic. Classic. (laughs) What did you think (laughs) about the episode? So, in this episode, funny money, um, Mm -hmm. I did notice that the whole episode, except for the little intro, although it's might have been the same set. It all took place in their dining room kitchen kind of area at their dining room table. Thought that was kind of just interesting, an older style like that I haven't seen in a while. 
just all in one place and the camera just you know followed the characters but yeah ralph finds a bunch of counterfeit money decides to spend it he's a millionaire i'm a millionaire and uh (laughs) alice is not too pleased with his spending habits especially when the mob comes and the police comes and he has to give it all back but it was funny like i definitely laughed and i liked all of I enjoyed all of Ralph's strange noises. <laughs> well, he did. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he, he had did a lot, make of, a lot of weird noises. So that was pretty funny. Uh, and he and his mother-in-law in law did not get along, so I definitely saw that. Mm-hmm. She did not call them about a visit. She just came. So. Yeah. Yeah. Funny episode. I did appreciate his weird noises as well. I was trying to remember there was some modern actor it was making me think of and I for the life of me I'm trying to pinpoint that still mm. for the noises but I will say because you mentioned Roseanne it's funny Roseanne is a show either the old one or the new one I have not watched a lot of but I did think he reminded me a little bit of John Goodman and they even have the same initials, Jackie Gleason and John Goodman. But these both right. bigger guys who are in the focuses on their marriage in these sitcoms. Right. So there's well, a little overlap I, there. I expected, because I knew the quote, Alice, one day straight to the moon, I didn't, he didn't say that to her in the episode. He kind of had a riff on it, but toward his mother-in-law. And so... <laughs> Alice, I was just like, how could you ever want to send her away? She's like, she's all right. <laughs> He's the one who was being ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And again, in episode 110, Hello, Mom, he's the one being ridiculous. They get a telegram that Alice's mother is going to come visit, and he's going, no, you have to tell her that she can't come. I don't like being around her. She's the worst. <laughs> Then he goes upstairs to complain to Ed, and he's like, Ed, I'm staying with you, because they live in the same apartment building. I'm not dealing with her mother. And Ed is saying, oh, my mother-in-law's the worst. You can totally stay here. But then Trixie, Ed's wife, is saying, Ed, we can't let him stay here. We're going to help break up their marriage if we let him stay here. (laughs) Seems a little bit of an exaggeration, hyperbole, but okay. The intent Mm -hmm. is thoughtful. And then they get into an argument because she hears that Ed said her mom is the worst and he's always told her that he likes her. So, and then in the end, the final punchline is that it was actually Ralph's mom who sent the telegram. And so he shows up Uh. and Alice is ever the saint and very kind to her. And Ralph has to apologize And she pulls out this old letter that he'd written to her own mother about how great she was. You wrote that 15 years ago. Oh, my goodness. And he, of course, is the one being ridiculous. And he is the one causing all the drama. Yeah. Alice is just deadpan, but she's just not causing any harm. No, not at all. At least not in these two episodes. Yeah. I'll read it. My dear children, father's going to be away for a few days, so I'm coming for a short visit. We'll arrive Wednesday. Love, mother. Oh. And you thought it was trouble. You always start with trouble all the time. Go, mother! 
Your mother isn't stepping one foot in this house. Not one foot or we'll never get rid of her. Listen, Ralph, she says she's just coming for a short visit. Short visit? Ha ha ha! Short visit? You know what a short visit, huh? Like the last one she came for a short visit. Just for the holidays. Christmas and New Year's. The only trouble is she came New Year's and stayed till Christmas. <laughs> now, look, she's not coming here because when she comes here, I know what she does. She starts right in. Right in with the wisecracks, Alice. Poor Alice hasn't got a washing machine. Poor Alice hasn't got an electric stove. Poor Alice hasn't got a vacuum cleaner. You call your mother and tell her she can't come. I can't. Poor Alice hasn't got a phone either. This show was originally a... It didn't start out as a TV show, right? It was something else. Oh, Kyla, get ready. This is such a confusing... <gasps> backstory at least for one who is not familiar with it so maybe if you lived through it you would just go this isn't confusing this is just the way it is but because i was starting with the 1955 to 56 series the honeymooners mm -hmm. which is actually really only the middle of the legacy of the mm. honeymooners so I finally found a lovely article from not Turner Classic Movies, but what? Closer Magazine, that one that you see at the supermarket checkout that looks like a tabloid, but it's all about celebrities who are dead, so it's not the hot gossip, but apparently <laughs> has an audience. So it actually started as a sketch on a variety show called The Cavalcade of Stars, which was on a television network called Dumont which is not around anymore, obviously. Mm. And that started in 1949. And then Jackie Gleason was not originally the host of the show, but eventually he took over. And then when his contract expired, he went to CBS. And the Honeymooners became a part of the Jackie Gleason show on CBS. So that's where mm. it originated. And it had the same basic four characters of Alice, Ralph, Ed, and Trixie. Nice. And actually, the set, I watched one of these sketches that they had together. It was just a six-minute sketch of where they're arguing over whether or not they're going to have bread for dinner. And it the set looked almost exactly the same as it did on the sitcom. Hmm. And Art Carney, who later played Ed, would make a cameo as a police officer who gets a barrel of flour dumped on his head outside the window and shows up <laughs> to check on this couple who's fighting. So then mm -hmm. eventually Ed and Trixie show up and the Honeymooners became such a popular part of the Jackie Gleason show that it ended up becoming its own show. Nice. So on the Jackie Gleason show, the sketches would be anywhere from 7 to 13 minutes in the beginning, but then they kept getting longer, 30 minutes and more. They were very mm -hmm. popular, very integral to the success of the show. And the ratings even sometimes beat I Love Lucy's performance. So inevitably, wow. it became its own show. Mm -hmm. In the original deal, they were going to have 78 episodes in two seasons. And then if it did well, they were going to go on to do 39 for a third season. But Jackie Gleason, after 39 episodes, said, I don't think this is going to get any better. And I don't think we'll be able to keep this quality. So he canceled his own show which is really weird. I'm not sure I've ever heard of anyone after just one season doing something like that. So those episodes yeah. of the official Honeymooner series are called the Classic 39, but there are 107 other sketches that you can find that are those much shorter, just little scenes featuring mm -hmm. Ralph and Alice and Ed and Trixie. 
Which and, can I? I watched an interview with Jackie Gleason on the Johnny sure. Carson show, and he actually talked about stopping after thirty nine episodes. If you want to hear a little bit, of course. So, I mean, he basically said what he claimed to originally. He just didn't want to spoil it. But I wonder, I mean, it must have been pretty close to his heart if he was that set on not ruining it after only one season. Because you're right. Typically, like, a second season is no big deal. But, I don't know, maybe it was different. I don't I don't remember how long shows went on. But if that was during I Love Lucy, that went on for a long time. So Yeah. Well, and I also read that he said he really didn't want to change the format of the show. He was saying they don't have a telephone in the apartment, they don't have any kids, and almost everything takes place in this one apartment. And he thought, to find more story ideas, you're really going to have to branch out of that, but he didn't think that's what The Honeymooners was. So he just wanted to stick with that very niche, narrow set and focus and find comedy from that, which... After a while, people are going to want to say, well, why aren't they having kids? And why don't they try a new apartment? Or what is it like elsewhere in Brooklyn? Yeah. And although it's funny you say that they didn't have the telephone in the apartment because in the Funny Money episode, they get a telephone installed and then they get it uninstalled after they find out all the money was counterfeit. So still that change is like there, but then nope, just kidding. It's one of those classic sitcom, we're going to have a crazy change, but by the end of the episode, it's like you're going back to where you started. Yep. Classic. (laughs) They did change it up a little bit later because there would be other variations after this version of the show ended on the actual Jackie Gleason show. There would continue to be sketches, although Alice and Trixie were played by a number of different actresses over the years because there were some on The Honeymooners, there were some before on the Jackie Gleason show before The Honeymooners premiered, and some after. And then there were 10 episodes in the 1966 season of the Jackie Gleason show, and they actually go to Europe. They're singing their way through Europe. (laughs) So I guess doing a little Von Trapp style. And when the Jackie Gleason show ended in 1970, so did the Honeymooners, but they did come back for a few specials in the late 70s. The second honeymoon, the Honeymooners Mm. Christmas special, the Honeymooners Valentine special, and Jackie Gleason's Honeymooners Christmas. And at that time, Audrey Meadows and Jane Keene, who were in the series, came back to be on the specials. Nice. Um, Can I just say something? What keeps coming to my mind whenever you mention their friends... Uh, Ed and Trixie. Mm-hmm. In Gilmore Girls season one, or no, 
on Gilmore Girls Season 2, Episode 3, Red Night on the Wedding Night. Red Light uh-huh. on the Wedding Night. The little uh, phone call she made to Christopher. Let me play this for you. Oh, boy. Okay, so this is when she's at the bachelorette party and everyone is calling their significant others because they feel so swoony after Emily talks about herself and Richard. Hi. Hi, who's this? It's Trixie from the other night. You never called me. Norlai? <laughs> oh, you got me. And then uh, at the end, I love. So, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Hey, can you put Trixie back on the phone? Bye. <laughs> So, yeah, I really do um, have Gilmore Girls on the brain all the time, apparently, that I remembered. That was her little fake name to Chris. <laughs> Very good catch. I was going to be amazed if he then said, I'm Ed. <sighs> I thought that's what you were going to do, and I was going to go, what? I couldn't find any other Honeymooners references in the whole series, <laughs> and there was one that was one I missed. Woohoo! Nope. Still, very good connection, though. Well, this show reminded you of Lorelai's Trixie moment. Yes. And by Trixie, I mean the name Trixie, not Gollum saying Trixie Hobbitses kind of Trixie. (laughs) Even though there are plenty of Lord of the Rings references in Gilmore Girls. This (laughs) show reminded me of more modern sitcoms that I am familiar with. Uh, Everybody Loves Mm -hmm. Raymond. Anybody? Yep. Annoying mother-in-law? Check. Beautiful wife and a just normal-looking husband? Check. Check. Smart wife and dumb husband? Check. Which... Check. (laughs) And that is compounded again in the second episode I watched where they're helping Ed fill out a crossword puzzle, and she keeps giving Ed all the right answers, and Ed and Ralph keep putting the wrong answers. (laughs) How about bickering husband and wife? Check, 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 check. Yep. So I was definitely thinking this was a template. Definitely things going on around the kitchen table like in Everybody Loves Raymond. Mm. I like Everybody Loves Raymond better, but I think there's definitely a template that they picked up from this show. Yeah, I remember watching Everybody Loves Raymond with my family, but as I develop my own opinions... (laughs) I don't know. It just was got annoying. But, like, that's kind of a sitcom, right? It's just over and mm-hmm. over and over again. Especially that style of sitcom. Yeah. Husband and wife has a fight. What's it about? Oh, they resolve it. And that show I like better because I didn't think their fights were quite as abrasive as they were in The Honeymooners. I didn't like it because they were so abrasive. I They did have their moment at the end of the mom episode where they make up and apologize to each other. But mm-hmm. it just, even more than everybody loves Raymond, it felt like they were bickering the whole episode. Yeah, it was just he hurled pretty strong insults that really didn't have much effect on her. But it was just right and left. Well, and actually, when I started the episode that we both watched, I didn't do my research till after I watched the show, and he and Alice were talking, and I went, oh, I must have 
misunderstood from the quick summary I read. Alice must be his housekeeper, not his wife. I <laughs> totally, in the first 10 or 15 minutes, was thinking, they do not seem like they're married at all. She seems like she works for him. And mm. then things started to fall into place. I had to double check, though. And I was like, nope, oops. Very weird dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have uh, much, many cutesy moments. Nope. No. And another show this made me think of, for different reasons, I Love Lucy, because it's two couples who are friends Mm -hmm. living in the same building, and there are all sorts of hijinks that ensue of they get themselves into very situationally comedic situations... And they have to try and help each other get out of those situations. But another thing is I think both Fred and Ethel and Lucy and Ricky show a lot more affection for each other. And the situations they get in tend to just not be silly instead of mean, if that makes sense. Right. Right. And they they the show takes place in many different settings, not just their house. (laughs) Just like in the episode we were talking about last episode, the Bracebridge Dinner, the way Mm -hmm. Lorelai riles Kirk up is by saying that she thinks certain episodes of I Love Lucy are better than other ones. And Uh, breaks character and disagrees. (laughs) (sighs) He almost had it. I guess, yeah, sitcoms just... Do we have what are the, what's like the most recent sitcom that we have? Because I feel like this was such a popular format for a long time, and now we just don't have as many. Well, we definitely have them. I just think they look really different. So things like The Office and Parks and Rec are two modern classic sitcoms. But really, yeah, most thirty-minute comedies are considered called sitcoms because there's a situation Mm. and comedy ensues around it that's my very Mm. layman's definition but i think modern storytelling is much more sequential it's much more build from one episode to the next so i think audience expectations are different Mm -hmm. friends is another great example yeah but also in these episodes and in i love lucy there's really only one plot Versus in the Friends episodes, they Mm -hmm. usually, they might have episodes where everybody's in the same plot, but a lot of times they're paired up differently. So Rachel and Ross might have a story, Phoebe and Joey, and then Chandler and Monica. Those are kind of their classic pairings. Right. Yeah, I guess it's the older ones, some of them just feel very repetitive, and I think it's mostly the married couple sitcoms where it's just about their marriage. Mm. Whereas, you know, something like Friends, it's a myriad of things could be the conflict. It's, and it could be between all different characters. Like you said, they pair them up differently. As opposed to Everyone Loves Raymond, it's always Raymond and... What was his wife's name? Deborah. 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 <laughs> and... Yeah, so I think it's like the... The repetition and when nothing builds, it's it's frustrating. Like I want I want the story to continue. So, yeah, they just do make them different nowadays. But they just feel so different from something like the Honeymooners, or My Wife and Kids, or 
the king of queens, you know. Eight simple rules. Yeah. My sister likes the show Last Man Standing. Just got canceled with Tim Allen. But Mm -hmm. he's better known for Home Improvement, which is definitely a classic family sitcom. Definitely some similarities with the Honeymooners or similar style. And that's kind of an inverse of his Home Improvement show because in this one he has three daughters. Right. Instead of three sons. But even that, even just having kids, the kids change, you know? So, like, that adds change without them even trying because they grow up. Well, and then you have ones like Modern Family, which is a sitcom, but it doesn't have Mm -hmm. a laugh track or it doesn't have a live audience. And it is told in that mockumentary style. So, instead of just having the different multicam setup like some of these classic Mm -hmm. shows would have, it follows you around like it does in the office with just one camera. Yeah. You know, Frasier is a sitcom that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, I guess it is a lot of the same, but, but still, maybe it's just the married couple bickering trope, but then getting back at the end is just, it's just kind of old. Like, it, there were just too many of them all at once that, keep getting replayed on tv that i'm just kind of i'm kind of over it Mm -hmm. and i think there are so many different variations of the sitcom today like the big bang theory that's more of a Mm. found family situation of friends who live don't they all live in the same apartment building or live close to each other yeah most of them live in the same apartment building yeah brooklyn 99 which is just Killed and then resurrected, where they're all a found family at a police department. New Mm. girl, found family roommates. Yeah, interesting. Huh. So a lot more shows are sitcoms than I I really thought, but... Or even the one we like, The Good Place, which is kind of a found family in the afterlife. In the afterlife. Here's a new way to do it, guys. Yeah. So, yeah, there aren't as many. I'm looking through a wrist right now. But, yeah, there aren't as many family comedies. Modern Family, Blackish is one. That's a funny one I've watched a few episodes of. Mm. Trying to think if there's any other. Last Man Standing, which was just canceled. Fuller House, if you really love highbrow comedy. (laughs) That is a great one. And Uh... the Roseanne revival. That's one. Oh, yeah, that's true. That one's back. So, anyways, I guess n- not my thing, but... Well, I guess the uh, the married couple sitcom, not my thing. But I like these new... I like the new ways they're doing it. Keep uh, Keeping it fresh. I would agree it's not my favorite either because it's inherently built in conflict between the married couple. Yes. And I generally like seeing married couples obviously conflict is a major part of any marriage i'm not saying we should pretend things are all rosy and sunny all the time but i like when they're generally on the same page instead of always butting heads like jim and pam yes their Mm. conflict felt believable but you always knew they were on the same team yeah yeah so i watched an interview with audrey meadows talking a little bit about the show and this was years later and it was actually the morning after 
Jackie Gleason died. And he had been, yeah, he had been suffering from, I'm not sure what his illness was, but, you know, I kind of knew it was coming. She talked about the show and she had, she just said it was joyous to work on. That was one thing she said. It was just joyous. Jackie didn't like to rehearse. So they would often, I think really about every time they would just go up there. They'd kind of do like a pantomime, kind of talk it out, maybe like a, you know, reading this through the script. But then they just go up, do their thing live. I mean, this was live in front of an audience. So that is intimidating if you haven't yeah. rehearsed it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but she loved it. She said it was the interviewer asked her, was creating the show as much fun as watching it? And she said, oh, it was more. So that was just wonderful to hear her say that. But she did have a little funny story about prop gone wrong because, like I said, they didn't rehearse. So they didn't (laughs) rehearse with props. Didn't get to test those out ahead of time. And I did notice some of the props in here not so good. Like that briefcase was just like painted with with different colors to make it look old. I agree. I was trying to figure out what was going on with that briefcase. Yeah, I feel like they could have just hit it with a hammer a few times, like, to make the indents. But I don't know. Maybe it didn't show up on black and white. But they had one scene. She shared that the, the prop just didn't uh, didn't work like it was supposed to. Does one of those times come to mind as you think back on them? Uh, several, <laughs> as a matter of fact. One of the very early shows that I did with Jackie, uh, the prop was a frozen steak that I was to serve him for dinner. And uh, we didn't use props at rehearsal, and we didn't wear costumes. And uh, we saw them for the first time on the air. And when I took the frozen steak from the refrigerator, or the icebox, I should say, uh, it was a piece of wood painted to look like steak. And he was supposed to take it, and he just pantomimed it at rehearsal, and he hammered it on the table saying, oh, you're going to serve me frozen steak again, Alice. And as he whacked it on the table, being wood, it broke right in half, and half of it flew off the set. (laughs) And so I just looked at him, and I said, no, I'm going to serve you half a frozen steak. (laughs) Isn't that a perfect response? What a great improv. Yeah, I am impressed when I hear about these shows and movies where they just improvise and then it makes it in like how do they come up with that just like on bringing up baby so much improv i know i agree i think some actors of course train for that the kind of people on saturday night live a lot of them come from an improv background but especially Mm -hmm. in movies where they're allowed to do multiple takes over and over again yeah it is incredible that they can still come up with new material just like that and not feel the pressure in that moment. I've got I've got mad respect for for improvising. So Audrey Meadows though she was not the first. Allison, I don't even know if she was the second. I don't know what number she was. I know she was at least the third because the classic actress Elaine Stritch played her for one episode on the Jackie Gleason show. And I think they just <laughs> thought she didn't have the right energy for the role. So I know they go, went mm-hmm. to a different performer and then they found Audrey Meadows for the series. And I think there is at least one other actress who played her on the Jackie Gleason show again. To be honest, I did not find a finite count of those actresses. Hmm. 
Well, I did find who the first was. Ooh, tell me. And uh, her name was Pert Kelton. Oh, you heard Interesting was Pert. Interesting name. <laughs> not, not a name I've ever heard of. Doesn't really roll off the tongue. Pert Kelton. Hmm. So Pert Kelton was the first to play Alice, but she was removed, and they told Audrey Meadows that it was because of a health condition, but it was actually because she was put on the Hollywood blacklist, which oh, no. was back in the day when they people in the government started, or I mean in the Hollywood industry, started denying screenwriters and actors and directors and musicians, all them, roles and jobs because they were accused of having t- communist ties or sympathies. And it was a ridiculous... You know, just give us three names and then we'll let you off the hook. And then those three people would give more three names. And it it was not, it was not a good time. And how I mostly know about it is from the uh, Jim Carrey movie, The Majestic. Have you seen that? No, but I've heard about it. Hmm. Well, that movie takes place during this time. And... Jim Carrey is accused of having communist ties, or his name was given just because he went to a communist meeting with a girlfriend. He wasn't there for himself. And he was kind of given the option of, do I stand up and say, this is wrong, you shouldn't be persecuting all of us because of our political beliefs, because, like, that's so not American. And, uh, you know, or do I just give these three names so that was a good movie. I recommend it. The Majestic. Oh, I kind of tied in. I kind of tied in with the Truman Show because um, I think I was introduced to both of those around the same time. But both Jim Carrey movies. So, um, but yeah. So she was blacklisted. She came back later and got some jobs after that was over. And she actually was invited back to the Glee- the CBS show to play Alice's mother in an episode of the uh, musical version of The Honeymooners that you talked about. So she came back on, and uh, Jackie Gleason wanted her back. Like, he was was fighting for her, but it's a little beyond his control Hmm. um, when it was initially happening. So, man, that Hollywood blacklist thing, I want to, like, read more about it because that was so crazy. Hmm, that's something we'll have to keep an eye on. I have a feeling <laughs> there's a chance among all the 20th century references that Gilmore Girls likes to make that we could probably find a way to tie it into a future episode. Maybe, maybe. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I have two fun facts for you about the Honeymooners. One past and one present, or maybe future, depending on how you would like to define Scrooge's ghosts. The past fun fact is, did you know that the Flintstones cartoon was inspired by the Jackie Gleason show? Ah, uh, yes. So, Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble are basically the same characters as oh. Ralph and Ed, and they've got their mm-hmm. two wives, Betty and Wilma, and it's basically the same thing, but animated in the prehistoric age, and at one point, someone asked Jackie Gleason if he wanted to sue because he thought they were stealing his story ideas. And he said he thought about it, but one, he watched the program and thought it was great. And two, 
he said he didn't want to be the guy who took off the show that so many people loved. Mm. So there we go. (laughs) So there's your past fun fact. And your future fun fact is that they are working on a reboot at CBS. Even though the class of 39 supposedly could never be improved. (laughs) They are saying... Hey, let's try it again. Even though they tried a movie remake a couple years ago with Cedric the Entertainer. And apparently it didn't do so hot because I had never heard about it. Nope. There you go. We shall see. Why do they keep bringing back these old shows? Stop it. Ka-ching, 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 cause money. That is very annoying to me. I do not like (laughs) bringing them back. Bringing things back. Now. Here's why that does not relate to Gilmore Girls. Oh. (laughs) Because A Year in the Life was a continuation. And it was also done by all the original cast. So it was not a remake. It was a continuation. Different. And I think there was still story potential because it was canceled with threads left open. Yes. And Amy Sherman Palladino did not write the last season. Yeah. Whereas Jackie Gleason got to end the show how he wanted. He didn't think there was more story to tell. Yeah. Let's honor Jackie Gleason. Come on, Hollywood. <laughs> if don't you, if you don't do it for us, do it for Jackie Gleason. Wow, Alice. Right to the moon. Uh, That's what I'm going to really say to CBS. What? Yeah. Pal CBS. Straight to the moon. But what... What, what what are they going to do with the Honeymooners? It was in their kitchen. Like, it's basically going to be a completely different show, but they're going to, like, have the same roles. Except, are they going to set it in the 50s? Are they going to modernize it? That would not work in modern day. No. <sighs> I and I definitely like think the gender roles would not be accepted in the same way no. today. No. There's just not much to it. It's a pretty... I mean, it is... I love Lucy. It's the Flintstones. Like... It's Everybody Loves Raymond. It's tons of different sitcoms. Even Home Improvement. That's another one where the husband and wife have Mm. that bickering dynamic. And even Everybody Loves Raymond, I would say, is maybe even the perfect encapsulation of it, even though I already mentioned it. Because they have kids, but they don't really matter. (laughs) It's really all about the in-laws. Definitely. (sighs) Don't do it, CBS. Stop while you're ahead. Pow! Right to the moon with that reboot. There is only one thing, Ralph, that's missing from my Disneyland. Only one thing. The world of tomorrow. I have nothing from the world of tomorrow. You want the world of tomorrow, Alice? <laughs> want the world of tomorrow? I'll give you the world of tomorrow. Get going to the moon! So, Kyla, how do you think this reference fits into the world of Gilmore Girls? Well, see here, Taylor. I mean, the most of what I love about this reference is Emily's reaction. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Who's Alice? And just how confused she was. And so I just hope we can bring a little clarity for Emily now. And... You know, in our episodes, there wasn't, uh, there was not intent. Alice was not the one screwing up, 
but she still frustrated him because she wouldn't let him have his way. Mm-hmm. And Lorelai was kind of feeling that. Emily was trying to control her and stop her from doing what she wanted, her way. And so I think it was an appropriate time to react that way. Because Emily was being too controlling of the situation and level, you know, just, oh, come on, let's just do it. Lorelai was like, stop, this is my life and this is my briefcase of money. Let me be a millionaire today. Um, Yeah, so I think it was fitting. In the other episode I watched, Jackie Gleason does use the expression, this catchphrase of pow, right to the moon or some variation on it when he's having an Mm -hmm. argument about her mother coming to stay. Side note, he's wearing a raccoon hat. I don't know why, but I think he's part of an organization that has to do with raccoon hats with Ed. Just adds to the comic effect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it's just his way of expressing frustration. And I think you're right to call it out to that briefcase scenario, even though he doesn't say it, because money is such an integral part of the conflict, it seems, on mm-hmm. the Honeymooners. And money is at the heart of all of the conflicts on Gilmore Girls, mm. especially between Emily and Lorelai, who have very different expectations for how much money to spend on certain items or how to get that money or its availability. So I think having Jackie Gleason's character, who's a working class, always trying to get by kind of guy, mm. there is definitely a parallel there with Lorelai. Interesting. Yeah, because her conflict with Emily is about money, and he's always doing his get-rich-quick schemes. And so, in this case, Lorelai was... She wasn't trying to get-rich-quick scheme, but she was certainly trying to find any other route but the clear path in front of her. And it was a trying-to-get-money-quick scheme because she needed it fast for Mm. her house. Wow, this connected more than I expected. It wasn't just the quote from from the show. Because even I, I mean, he said something like that, but to the mother-in-law. Just because she was annoying him. And, but it had to do with their all their conflicts about money and control. And who gets to decide. Mm, control is also a really good word. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of control issues in this episode between mm. where Rory wants to take some ownership of the situation, Lorelai's trying to control it, Emily tries to take over. Ultimately, at the end of the day, Lorelai can't keep control of it no matter what. Mm-hmm. And in the briefcase episode, he is asking Alice for money. Yeah. That's why I thought she was his housekeeper. It looked like he was borrowing $15 from a friend. And she was saying no. I don't know why she had money. They must have separate bank accounts. I I don't know how that works. She doesn't work, so I don't know why she would have $15. But uh, maybe she gets an allowance from him. Another way this would not work. She said he had an allowance, and he said he already spent it. Oh, So maybe she she manages the finances? finances? Yeah. Her mom mentions that Alice used to have a job. Right. So maybe there's money there? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know either. (laughs) Interesting. Well, hey, uh, I'd say uh, 
that definitely helps me read the scene differently because the conflict is even a conflict from the show that she's quoting. Agreed. I would, well, especially since I had absolutely no idea what the reference was. (laughs) I definitely read the scene differently. Cool. So, Kyla? So, Taylor? That's our show? That's our show. Send it straight to the moon. Kapow. (laughs) And this time we were saying, so it's a show? And it was a show. The Honeymooners. Ta-da! The Honeymooners. And maybe this is a show you love or you have watched way more episodes of. And we would love to hear your insight because obviously we only just got a little snippet even in a short run on the full series. We just got a little snippet of it, and we would love to learn more about it if you're a big fan of the show. Yeah, I can totally see people gather around and enjoying it. I mean, it's just a little hijinks, just like playing it on your TV, laughing mm-hmm. a bit. So yeah, let us know what you thought of our interpretation. You can email us at show at gmail.com. You can tweet at us also at show. You can sign up for our tiny little email list, tinyletter.com so tiny. slash so it's a show. And uh, we would also love your reviews on iTunes. Send them our way. Reviews are how we know what, what in the world you think about this. <laughs> we need some reviews for season two, guys. All right, guys. Mm-hmm. Here's a clip for our next step. What's this? Luke Steiner. Diner. Okay. Good. Good. What are you doing? Trying just to blend in, fade away, observe. Hey, Roy. Coffee? Thanks, Luke. Who's your friend? Angela Lansbury. Huh? You're the owner here? Yep. You want some coffee, Angela? No, thanks. Okay. So, you're on the diner, huh? Oh, boy. You get a lot of truckers through here? Truckers? Yeah. You know, guys on the road for weeks, lonely, looking for company, a little pick-me-up, things like that. What's she talking about? Your guess is as good as mine. (laughs) It's pretty common knowledge that diners are breeding grounds for prostitution and drug dealers. What? Have you ever seen anything like that going down here? Have I ever... What about that guy over there? What's his story? Reverend Nichols? Reverend Nichols, huh? Was that like Dr. Feelgood? Rory, how much do you like this person? Do what you gotta do, Luke. Hey. Where'd he come from? What's up there? Is that where you keep the girls? You got yourself a little cat house up there? Wow, I think she got you, Uncle Luke. You better give up now. Do not add to this insanity. An innocent boy like me should not be raised in an atmosphere like this. Yes. I want to be good. Life just not letting me. Rory, get her out of here. Okay, let's go. Why do you need me to leave? What have you got to hide? Paris, let's go.